0: I want you to imagine that one evening this week, you are invited over to someone's house for a meal. It's not someone that you know super well, maybe a colleague at work or or a neighbour a few doors down that you're just starting to get to know, someone like that. When you arrive, you knock on the door, but instead of getting up to open the door, your host just bellows from inside, it's open! As you wander in through the house trying to work out where on earth you're supposed to go. No one appears to take your coat, not that you would wear one in this weather, as you nervously step into what you think must be the dining room. They don't stand up to offer you a a drink. Instead, they just sort of beckon to another chair around the table for you to sit at. Their plate, you notice, is already half eaten. They don't offer to serve you food. They don't even tell you, you know, help yourself, just tuck in. Instead, they just start eating. Now I wonder how you would feel in that kind of situation. You would probably feel quite offended and rightly so. You've been invited over for a meal which is very nice but they haven't bothered to show you any of the most basic simple courtesies of hospitality that we show to other people in our homes. No one greeted you and no one offered to take your coat. They didn't even offer you a cup of tea. And that's exactly the same situation that Jesus finds himself in in our story. And what makes it even worse is that this is a culture where hospitality is extremely important. It's a culture that prides itself on being generous and kind to others in your own home. And let's not forget, Jesus is not just any old guest. He, he's a rabbi. He would usually be shown great respect and honour by those around him. And yet, Jesus finds himself as badly treated as you by your colleague or neighbor. Simon, his host, has failed to show him even the most basic courtesies of Middle Eastern hospitality. Uh, Verse 44, he provided no water for Jesus to wash his feet. It's like not bothering to take someone's coat. Verse 45, he didn't greet Jesus with a kiss when he arrived. It's like not bothering to open the door. Verse 46, he gave Jesus no oil for his head. It's like refusing to offer someone a drink. You see, when it comes to Jesus, to be perfectly honest, Simon could not care less. He has no respect for Jesus at all, let alone love for Jesus. But you noticed the woman in our story She is totally different to Simon in every way, isn't she? He is a a morally upright, wealthy, religious leader. He has a name. He's the kind of person, if you were at a dinner party, you schmooze with because he's powerful and influential. But this woman, she's anonymous, deliberately so in Luke's gospel, not because she isn't known. As we'll see, she is very well known in the city for all the wrong reasons. But because in her society, she just isn't worth knowing. And yet, she's made considerable effort to be at this little dinner party, hasn't she? Now, she is obviously not on Simon's guest list. He would not be seen dead with a woman like her. But sometimes at occasions like this, a few of the middle-class members of town might be allowed to to go as as like a bit of an audience. They wouldn't be allowed to eat at the table. They wouldn't be in the inner circle of Simon's invited guests. They can't interrupt the conversation, but they're allowed to be there and sort of listen in to what they're talking about. So this woman has obviously heard that Jesus is going to be at Simon's house. There's maybe going to be a bit of an audience she can blend in with And she seizes her opportunity. Because this woman, she will do anything she can to get near to Jesus. But in doing so, she breaks every rule in the book. She comes up behind Jesus and as she breaks ranks, walks out into the open towards Jesus, there's a hushed silence that descends over the room people notice what's happening as she moves towards Jesus and you can hear that the whispers people turning to each other what is she doing what is she doing here and she approaches Jesus kneels down at his feet crying And she washes his feet with the tears streaming from her eyes, wiping the dust with her hair. And then she kisses his feet and pours out this expensive jar of perfume on them. That probably represents her life savings. Gone literally down the drain. And it's deliberate. She bought this perfume, this ointment on purpose for this very reason, for this elaborate, emotional, extravagant outpouring of love and affection for Jesus. And why has she done that? Because unlike Simon, she loves Jesus deeply, intensely, extravagantly. And in the end, Every basic courtesy that Simon ought to have shown Jesus, Jesus has actually eventually received, hasn't he? He's received water, a kiss, oil, not from Simon, but from this anonymous woman, this uninvited guest. But her actions are shocking, aren't they? I don't know how you feel about uh, public displays of affection, uh, how you feel when you see a couple kissing in the street or something like that. I gave up doing that to Rachel quite early on in our relationship. But this is a whole other level of public display of affection, isn't it? If you'd have been there watching this unfold before your eyes, don't you think you would have felt just a little uncomfortable? Jesus is being intimately touched by a woman who is not his wife her hair is down which is something women only did in the bedroom she's used up her whole life savings to anoint Jesus's dirty feet with this enormously expensive perfume but there's something else which makes this really shocking verse 37 this woman is a sinner Most likely, when Luke tells us that, he's trying to be polite. He's employing some classic British understatement. She's almost certainly a prostitute. Just adds to the acute awkwardness of what she's doing to Jesus, doesn't it? And here's the thing, everyone knows about her. Everyone knows her lifestyle, always a different man coming in and out of the house. She's the woman that people on your street gossip about. Everyone knows she is a sinner and you can see what Simon thinks about all of this happening in his own house. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this he said to himself look if this man were a prophet he would know who is touching him what kind of woman she is for she is a sinner. Simon's conclusion is that the only possible explanation for Jesus allowing someone like that anywhere near him is that Jesus obviously can't know who she is. And therefore, he can't claim any prophetic credentials either. Jesus obviously isn't who he says he is, but Jesus does know. He knows everything there is to know about this woman, just as he knows what Simon is muttering to himself, just as he knows everything about us, even the things we prefer to keep hidden from other people. Which means that actually the most shocking thing of all in this passage is that Jesus lets it happen. See, this very public display of affection is very risky for this woman. I mean, what happens if if Jesus sort of nervously, awkwardly backs away as this woman sort of comes from behind? Worse, what if he publicly condemns her in front of everyone? I wonder what you'd have done if you were in Jesus' shoes. Certainly if this had been Simon instead of Jesus, he'd have stood up, backed away very quickly, had this woman thrown out publicly, humiliated and shamed in front of everyone. He does not want a woman like this touching him. But Jesus, knowing who she is, knowing what everyone else is saying under their breath about him, lets her do it. He doesn't awkwardly usher her out to the side he doesn't quietly remove himself from this embarrassing situation he lets it happen he lets this sinner this sinful woman touch him in ways that are really not appropriate and in doing so he does something amazing because he shifts the shame away from her and onto himself It's beautiful the way Jesus does that, isn't it? It's just brilliant. Don't you love what we see of Jesus in this passage? His understanding, his kindness, his compassion, his tenderness towards this woman. And so what is potentially a very risky move becomes a beautiful, poignant moment as she pours out publicly her love and affection for Jesus. And what this shows us about Jesus is that verse 34 is wonderfully, gloriously true. At the start of this passage, well just before if the sort of headings you go with them, in verse 34 we're told lots of the people in Jesus' day, they saw Jesus at all these different dinner parties with all these different kinds of sinners and they accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard, a friend. tax collectors and sinners. Now, of course, it was meant as an insult. It's like, Jesus is supposed to be this holy guy, and yet here he is hanging out with all these sinners. They could not imagine that the glad heart of God is actually drawn towards those kinds of people that the world holds at arm's length, but it is. That's who the glad heart of God is drawn towards, and so wonderfully, in verse 34 they're right not about Jesus being a glutton and a drunkard they're wrong about that but they're right about the rest Jesus really is the friend of tax collectors and sinners Those are the very people that Jesus came for, sinners of all kinds, people caught in addiction or sexual sin, people playing the benefit system, people who've made bad choices, people who are selfish and uncaring, gossips and slanderers, liars and cheats, people driven by money and ambition, even people blinded by their own hypocrisy and self-righteousness. Jesus really is the friend of sinners so if you're here this evening maybe you're you're not a Christian or maybe you're just thinking things through a bit more can I say you're really really welcome here this evening you're welcome because whatever you've done whatever it is that you least want other people to know about your life Jesus is the friend of sinners if like the people at the end of this passage you're wondering what is the deal with this Jesus what is he what is he about who is he this is it Jesus is the friend of sinners. He's the one who, if we come to him in repentance and faith, looking to him and say, listen, I I realise I've sinned. He's a friend who forgives. That is good news for every single one of us here this evening, isn't it? Because if that weren't true about Jesus, none of us would have any hope whatsoever. But there's a little bit more going on here. Because this story, it alerts us to a big danger for those of us who are already on the inside, if you like, who are already Christians. Because as long as we think of Jesus only as the friend of sinners out there, it's possible that we might never really love Jesus like we ought to. That's the point, I think, of Jesus' little story in verses 41 and 42 one person owes 50 denarii, the other 500, it's uh, one owes two months wages, the other owes two years wages. But the thing to note is that neither of them has the means to pay it back. Neither of them can pay, and so the man cancels the debts of both. And Jesus asks Simon, well which of them will love him more? And finally, Simon gets something right, at long last. Of course, The one who owed the bigger debt feels a a greater sense of gratitude and love for the one who cancelled the debt, of course. And Jesus turns to Simon and said, that's the difference between you and this woman. That's the difference between Simon and the woman the reason that she loves Jesus so deeply so intensely so extravagantly is because verse 47 she knows she owes a massive debt of sin a debt which she could never ever pay but which Jesus has forgiven her sins which are many are forgiven for here's how you know she's been forgiven much She loved much. That must mean, by the way, that in verse 48, when Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven, that is not the first time that she's heard Jesus talk about uh, this message of forgiveness. Otherwise, Jesus' parable makes no sense. Rather, verse 48 must be a, a public reassurance, a public confirmation that this woman really has been forgiven. It's as if Jesus is saying, It's really true. You really are forgiven. You can go saved, knowing that you can enjoy peace with God for the rest of your days. At some point prior to this dinner party, this woman must have heard Jesus' teaching explaining how no matter how big your debt of sin, no matter how far you've wandered from God, no matter how bad you've been, that you could be forgiven, that no matter how much you owe, Jesus would cancel it every last penny. And she believed it. She experienced the wonder of Jesus' forgiveness, her heart filled up with this deep well of love for Jesus she loved much because she'd been forgiven much but whoever loves little whoever has been forgiven little sorry loves little and now we understand why Simon treats Jesus the way he does Simon thinks He only owes a small debt, if any, and if he has a debt, Simon is pretty confident he could pay it off by himself. He's blinded by his self-righteousness. He doesn't see his own deep need for forgiveness. See, Simon thinks there are two kinds of people in the world. He thinks the fundamental difference between human beings is that some people are sinners and some people are not or not really. But that's not it. The fundamental difference is not that some people are sinners and some people aren't really. It's that some people are honest sinners and others are not. The distinction's not between the bad and the good, but between those who know they're bad and those who don't. Simon, just like this woman, has an unpayable debt that only Jesus can sort out for him the difference is Simon's not willing to admit it he's not willing to be honest about his sin about his own deep personal need for Jesus forgiveness and so he has no love for Jesus whatsoever and because of that He also has no love for other people either. He looks down on this woman. All he can see is her sin, not his own. His self-righteousness makes him proud and smug and loveless. So let me ask you, how much do you love Jesus Christ? How much do you love Jesus? If you're anything like me, not as much as you should. Perhaps like like me, as you read this story, you have this uneasy feeling that you're actually a lot more like Simon than you would want to be. This story, it shows us if we're going to kill our pride, stop looking down on others. Above all, if we're going to grow in our love for Jesus, that starts with recognising our own sinfulness, being honest about the debt that we owe every single day that doesn't come naturally to any of us, does it? All of us by nature, we would much rather hide our sin in the dark. But when we see how Jesus treats sinners, when we see that he really is the friend of sinners, well, that frees us to be honest about our sin, doesn't it? When it comes to Jesus, we don't have to hide in the darkness any longer because we know he will meet us with his grace and compassion just like he does with this woman. We're freed to confess our sins to God. We're even freed to confess our sins to each other, to be honest sinners with each other, even to admit when we've sinned like Simon, proudly looking down on others in smug self-righteousness. Loving Jesus more starts with recognizing our own sinfulness, being honest about that, but it doesn't stop there. Because we also need to receive Jesus' free and full forgiveness. Jesus doesn't want you to leave here this evening groveling in your guilt for the rest of the week. He wants you to joyfully experience the wonder of his forgiveness. To feel the, the chains being released, the burden lifted from your back to find rest for your soul as you come to him. To marvel that Jesus has graciously, sacrificially cancelled our debt. Forgiven our sin through his own blood shed on the cross. That's how we grow in our love for Jesus. Not by trying really hard to drum it up from within ourselves. But each and every day, very simply being honest about our sin. Confessing it to the Lord. Looking to Jesus for forgiveness. To know that our debt has been paid, to know that like the woman in the story, we have peace with God for the rest of our days. For if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus, the Son of God, the friend of sinners. Praise the Lord.